Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Dr. Katie Cook on this podcast. She loves to study people. She is the author of The Psychology of Silicon Valley. She's an avid researcher and data junkie, and I love people like Katie. They live their best lives following their own curiosity. Katie is currently working on her second book, The Psychology of America and Looking at Mental Health of Americans and What is Impacting Them Collectively. She's gutted a van and she's going to drive it across every state in America, interviewing real people with real stories, trauma, different upbringings, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and it's going to be fascinating. I love talking to her. She's very captivating and engaging and I think she's making this world a better place, and I wish I could have her up here with me all the time. I just love her. Enjoy this episode. Dr. Katie Cook. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Here you are. You sound like the voice of Fig. Hello. Meow. Hi. Meow. How are you? Look at all your clothes. Yeah, this is my thing now. I think when we recorded last time, I was in my bedroom. Mm. Right now, I'm in the closet because I, I have a new office that's beautiful, but it sounds like a a tin can. Oh man! Yeah, so now I'm in here absorbing all of the echoes at a really um lovely angle for you. So I'm just <laughs> that's how I feel about most of my interviews. Like my table is like down here. Hi. Hi. You actually look really beautiful. You can't be stopped. You can't. You. Look at you. Can't be stopped. No, I didn't even shower for you. I was like, watch the lo- for you. It was that time. <laughs> I actually thought, because I watched so many of your videos today, just making sure I was totally up to speed. And <laughs> as as you know, I love the video of you blow drying your hair with your heater in your van. Yeah. Like that. I didn't do that today. I had like an outlet, but it pinch, man. It's better than air drying because air drying is not my friend. Well, and you had a ton of volume. It was very okay. impressive. Thank you. Yeah, very <laughs> impressive. But I, yeah, so I was actually thinking about how you're like, some days when I know I have like, I'm going to have a, a do a video with someone or I'm going to interview somebody. Like I always make sure I get up and do my makeup. And I was like, oh, I didn't do that for her today. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't do that. Okay. So you're clean. But that's I'm, it. Yes. Can't smell it, but I promise I am very clean. Okay. Well, tell us where you are today. Where are you right now? I am in Bend, Oregon. Oh, okay. I know. You're not far from me. You're making your way up because I, I thought you were going back to, you're from Escondido, three live, right? That was where I grew up. I um, I live, well, I moved from Carlsbad, okay. which is just on the coast. But I won't, I, I won't go back there. So you're California born and raised? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I was looking at your map today, seeing where you are in July, but I didn't actually think you were in Oregon. So then I, now I'm like, when are you going to Alaska? Like, are you on your way to Alaska? Well, so I really wanted someone to drive with me to Alaska and I don't really have anyone to go with me and I'm not sure I want to do it alone. So I think I might fly to Alaska later. Oh, okay. And like not do it in the van, just like go up for like a couple weeks, get a car or like rent a van up there or something, yeah. but not do the 3000 mile drive. 
It's a partial Canadian experience you would have. There would be a lot of redneck Canadians you would see on that trek. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that part. I would love the Canadian experience. I just like, I know there's long stretches where you don't like see people and like there's gas stations that are unmanned and you do it yourself. Like, and I just think like, oh my God, like my AAA won't work there. Like, what if I get law? I don't know. Like, I just... It's the first time I've been like too scared to do something basically. Interesting. Yeah. Katie has fears. You're Oh yeah. 100%. Well, and also just like human wisdom and caution. Like that's also just being wise. I do think of all the places that you could end up without like with cart with trouble, I feel like you'd be in a good place. Yeah. I mean, you guys are like the nicest people. So obviously really are really are, <laughs> but I think it's my mom in my head. Right. Cause I'm an only child being like, don't just don't do that. Like, don't go alone, yeah. get a buddy. And I thought I had a buddy to go with me, but I don't think he, I think he's doing something else. So, well, and that's a big, that's a big track. I didn't realize it was 3000 miles. I know that from our province bottom to top is probably seven, like Canada's just so big now I'm like embarrassed that I don't know but I want to say that my bo- old boss lived in Fort St. John and I think that was 15 hours from here or like 12 13 hours from Vancouver and that's not even the top of the province so like to make it to to Yukon to Alaska like that's just crazy that's yeah, it's big and like it's bigger than it looks on a map too right so like nothing's like to scale and stuff and you're like oh actually like they have lots of land up there that you have to, and it would be beautiful. That's the thing. Like I would love seeing all the lakes and like the mountains and it would be gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It would be really beautiful, but you're right. Very desolate. And Canada is quite desolate. Like when you end up in a big stretch, like it's not like America where you see so much ongoing town to town to town to town. I realize lots of America is not like that, but it's very desolate north of like probably the 50th or 52nd parallel like it's very because I think the American border is like the 48th parallel mm. or 49th I don't know I don't know so many new things I, we, have, we have a grocery store called the 49th 49th parallel grocery store so I think because right like I literally live on the 49th parallel like America wanted this island that I live on and then they didn't get it they didn't get it but they tried but I can come visit you then when I'm in Washington in a few weeks, right? Yeah, I think we're close. Yeah, because I was like, you should come. And then I was going to say, you should come to my house and spend the night with a Canadian. And then I was like, whoa, that sounds like more than I'm willing to offer. <laughs> generally, I've stayed with friends and generally like I sleep in their driveways. Oh, do you? Even if they have a guest room. Yeah, like it's just so interesting. Like all your stuff is here. Maybe I have like Stockholm. Yeah. I don't know, but like it's very comfy. You know? I think it's just simpler. Like you have your stuff and you have your cat and like, it's a whole thing, right? Yeah. She is. She is a, a piece of the puzzle for sure. He is really freaking cute. Okay. So I am ridiculously overzealous about this interview. I have been like, my podcast has kind of been on pause for like a month. So I just felt like kind of, I felt uninspired. So today I feel alive with the possibility of more podcasting and more interviews. Like I was so excited to talk to you today and it's so cool. So I'm going to direct people back. Um, I directed, I'll say I directed them back in the intro of this episode to our first episode to give you a little bit, a bit of backstory on who Katie Cook is. 
Um, but yeah, now you're in the first half of your journey. This is so exciting. What date did you actually leave as day one? How long ago was that? I think it was March 2nd. Okay. Pretty sure. So are you going to be like March 2nd to March 2nd or probably not? I think, so I was going to do California like for a month at the end, kind of like February, probably January, February. And I think because I spent a lot of time in Northern California the past few weeks, right. And I know Southern California so, so well. Um, and the nature of what's turning out to be kind of useful on the trip is, is changing a lot. Okay. So I think I probably will be done in January and then I'll get to like post up somewhere and start writing. And that will either be in Northern California or in Mexico. Oh, you're going to stay in your van to write your book. Well, if I go down to Mexico, I will. And if oh. I go up to Northern California, my friends have a place that they're not in and they're just like, stay there. That's where I wrote my last book. So it's super cozy, like That's really so cool. inspiring, like beautiful, like landscape outside. Like it's really lovely and they're super generous. So to give me that. So wow. good options. Like can't complain about either option or maybe a little bit of both. You never know. Well, one thing I have to say, and I don't think I put it in my notes here, but I, in going through your posts, you have such a beautiful way of on the, your States of the Nation page, you have such a beautiful way of presenting everything without a point of view. Is that intentional? Yeah. And thank oh. you for saying that. <laughs> You're doing it so, so well. And I was like, because each time I'm like, it, it's so cool how it takes me to the facts. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't know that fact. Oh, that changes my thoughts. But mm -hmm. I just love how you're presenting it. And that's really neat. Thank you. Yeah. One of the things I noticed in talking to people is that everyone hates the media now. Yeah. It's right. like across the board, no matter who I'm talking to. I don't always know people's like political kind of leanings and stuff, but yeah. whether, you know, either direction, in the middle, whatever, um, no one is into the media anymore really like everyone thinks or knows that it's very biased they don't like opinion pieces the majority um and you still get people who you know will watch a bit of of this or that that you know is kind of liberal or conservative in an extreme way but i try to avoid that because i've heard people say that they hate it and i want to give people what they want which i think is facts and they're facts granted like from my research so this is like my little you know area and yeah. So it's Whatever been it's, you found um, interesting, basically. And yeah. Nasty. Yeah. Right. So like I will release all the data at the end from my survey and have it in the book and stuff and probably available online. Um, but for now, I'm just like, I think this is really interesting what people are telling me. Like, let me share that with you. Um, I know even specifically, um, I never know where I am on the gun debate. I'm I think I think I'm so I just found it fascinating when you even said there are 322 million Americans, is that what it was? 322 or something? And yeah, around 330 or something like that. Yeah. Something like 399 million guns. Was that the, was that the, how it was written? 20% more guns than people or 25% or something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm still from the train, the train of thought that like guns don't kill people, keep people kill people. But we have, I want to say we have a lot of guns in Canada, but we don't have the same number of mass shootings. But I think as we see more of the breakdown of like the family model, as we see people like more mental health problems, I, I do think it's going to rise everywhere. And I feel like you're just almost like our 
a window into what's to come if we go the same way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. Like it's yeah, it's almost like a um, what would you call that? Like a like a warning. Like I don't know. Warning. Like yeah, this could happen to you, kind of thing. Right. Which is not right. Like that's not what you want to be in the world. It's like a warning to other countries. But um, there's yeah, it's really interesting to watch kind of some of the the themes and the intersections about what people believe when it comes to things like guns, Mm -hmm. and then also like change my mind a bit. one of the things I've started watching that my friend turned me on to is this thing on YouTube called Middle Ground. Have you ever heard of this? No. Oh my God. Okay. So this is, and I've only watched a couple, but I want to watch them all. They bring people together from two different sides of an issue. So say like the gun debate one, which I, I watched on their, um, I forget the name of the company that produces it, but um, they'll get like four people who are like NRA members right. and four people who are victims of mass shootings and they'll bring them together in like this discussion, like the eight of them. And they'll ask questions and they'll have like this really civil, like well-reasoned conversation. And you start to see both sides of the issue, like whatever that is, right. Whether it's like abortion or guns or like, you know, education, or I mean, homeschool, like anything, like anything you can think of, they have all these cool discussions and it's done in such a way where like, you're like, oh, like we don't actually have to like fight about this. Like this is an opportunity to learn. And like, if you're open-minded as well, you and it's just, it's really neat. So like, that's what I've noticed people want too, is an opportunity to do that without like the hatred and the vitriol and like the kind of, you know, going into it, you know, just to fight or whatever. So people really want like civil discourse again. That's one thing I keep hearing over and over again. Well, that's a great term. I wouldn't have thought of that, but you're exactly right. We want to be able to agree, disagree and be friends. Yeah, totally. Right. Happened that we can't do that. And yeah, like I was listening to this book the other day called Undistracted by Bob Goff, but he was talking about like, stop being worried about or making your choices about based on being misunderstood based on the fear of being misunderstood mm-hmm. because he's like, you're going to be misunderstood. You go at it with a good heart, your best intentions, people will like, basically you just can't fix your fixate your thoughts on that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's freeing to think, but then today, even as I posted a video, I was like, oh, I, I noticed in my video myself apologizing. Like I'm make, I'm like, okay, so I realized this is about me. This isn't about the person I met on the street, but just, I was more than anything, I, same as you, I don't want people to lose my message. So I try to not talk that much about where I stand on stuff, unless we're having coffee. Like that's for breaking bread, eating together, being, seeing your face, seeing the emotion, mm-hmm. feeling your emotional response that's where those conversations are meant to happen, but we're so disconnected. Right. And they're not meant to happen online in this space where like, you can't see the person react. You can't see how your words land and whether they're like hurting someone you can't, you know, if you're, you know, if you are super triggered and then you just react and like type something out, like it's just a, it's a recipe for freaking disaster. So that's where a lot of our political conversations have been happening over the past, you know, like five, 10 years. And it's just, it's so detrimental. It makes people just so entrenched. And like, that's why I don't ask. I never in this whole process so far have asked about anyone's political affiliation because I think once you start doing that, you kind of, you, you're in your loop, right? Like you have, people have like talking points memorized and they start making connotations and assumptions and 
um, defending things that, and I just, I'm, I'm curious about people and about like the issues, um, you know, what, what's going on and how they're feeling and problems and all that kind of stuff. So it's been super interesting and really good, but also like I have been doing this for a long time. So research, um, you know, ideally you check your biases at the door and you try not to let them, they're always going to a little bit, but you try not to let them kind of sink into like your findings and stuff. Um, yeah. but, but you do, you do it very well. And it makes me like, just want to hang out with you. Well, yeah, we will soon. I'll yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing though. Like it, it's like when you feel like someone is just curious, there's just such a safety in curiosity. Yeah. Right. And imagine like if everyone was curious about like everyone else, instead of being like, oh, I know you think of this, like, I'm just going to like, you know, put you at arm's length or like assume I don't like you or whatever. What if you approached it? Like, huh, I don't think the same as you. And I'm really curious, like why you think the way you do. Yeah. And yeah. So let's get, I could just, I could go off on all these other things I want to talk to you about, but I'm going to look at my list of questions. So I don't miss some things out. I want to hear from you. Like, tell us about the first half of your journey. What has been like the most surprising? Like, I know that's like a big nutshell. That's four months. It's not, it's not, it's, um, okay. So most surprising from like a research perspective or van or travel, like anything, anything. Like, I think something I'm really curious about is when I say surprising, it could be something that's changed your mind. Like, Mm. Oh, I had preconceived ideas about this type of socioeconomic status. And now when I've spent time with people or people are lonelier than I realized, or people want to talk more, or I, can't sleep in a van past 6 55 in the morning. And I'm mad about it. Like whatever it is, doesn't matter. Okay. All right. There's a few. So in terms of what I've seen driving around America that I wasn't expecting, I was shocked. And this is why I'm so glad I'm doing it this way. Cause I could do this from home too. Right. Or like from whatever, but how many structures are just in disrepair slash falling down slash empty because businesses have shut. I had no idea I would see so many like houses on the ground. Wow. And so the level of like poverty and this, like the reality of what living below the poverty line looks like the reality of low socioeconomic states and cities is just, it's, it's, it's very real to see it because it doesn't feel real when you hear it. And so seeing it and seeing what that looks like and seeing like the lack of, you know, you can drive for hours and like not see a college for instance. Right. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like there's no place here for people to go to learn. Even if they wanted to, they would have to really get outside where they're, where they're at. Um, the lack of services, you can go hours without seeing like, you know, a therapist, I just tend to kind of look for therapists as I go to see what's available, um, mental health facilities, that kind of stuff. So the lack of resources and the amount of structural, just roads as well, like infrastructure buildings, just it's, it's shocking to see. And I think the way I keep describing it to my friends who, are generally, you know, back home or in nice places or whatever, New York that don't look like this. Right. Um, I'm, they're like, well, how can like, why do these people, you know, vote a certain way or believe things or why are they, why are we so polarized or whatever? 
I don't understand like this, these people. And my response is like, well, have you seen the hunger games? Like you live in the capital, my friend, like you, oh, interesting. In the, the place that, that, you know, financially is fine and controls in a lot of ways, these other places and you, there's no way you would know. And that's a problem, right? Like it is a huge mm-hmm. fucking, excuse me. It is a huge, <laughs> it's a huge okay. <laughs> that we, um, that we don't know what's going on in other parts of the country and the country is so big that that makes sense. Right. Of course, like it's hard to imagine that, but it's also just not like covered anywhere. Like there's nowhere you can go and kind of see what's going on and, you know, rural West Virginia or something. Um, question yeah. is that is that because like the way we do life and business mostly has changed so much in the last like 60 years like moving from primarily agricultural to like tech and like all these different things right like we've moved you think of the family farms that over time it's like just the land wasn't even worth it i saw they were given land away it was at kansas where they're given up yeah. free land right and they did that in the pioneer days in canada too like you can come here and we'll get we'll pay you to come here to farm this land and those were all of our like grandparents and stuff like that and so part of me is like do you think that's more like less um like more just a change or is it a lack of resources or opportunities or is it like people are fleeing to the cities from the country? I think it's a few different things. Like I think there are tend to be better jobs with better salaries in city centers and urban places. So right. a lot of people do leave um, more rural communities. There's a huge sh- shift in industry overall. So there's that. So, you know, farming, I don't know, lumber, fishing, just like right. various types of industries that you know, used to, you used to be able to make a pretty good living at, and now is a lot harder with things being kind of as expensive as they are. Um, so there's a shift in industry and skill sets, job opportunities, um, in various places. It's, it'll be interesting to see, I think like what happens now with more remote work available and what that looks like, like, will people start going to smaller places who can work remotely? because it's maybe better for their mental health and living in a city. Like, I don't know, but it's interesting to kind of see the shift in a lot of these places. And you hear this phrase like all the time, probably because it's true. Um, A lot of places just feel really left behind, right? So whether that's like, they can't keep up, you know, their buildings or they don't have like service and internet, that kind of stuff. Like it's interesting to just see places that you would have never, and I've only been to like 11 States so far, right? Like I am, or maybe 12 now. Um, I have a long way to go. I think I have like seven months left, six months left. So it'll be interesting to see even more variety, like in, in industries and things that have changed, but yeah, it's been fascinating so far. I think, yeah, you're, you're quite right. Well, and I think as, as people get more, introverted. Like, I feel like people like the, the, it becomes so much easier to disconnect than connect, especially in such in the times we live in right now, where I'm at baseball with a mom and I say something that I don't even think is an offensive comment, just kind of about my own level of, I don't even know. Um, I basically, basically I'll tell you in the schools, they're no longer um, celebrating mother's day and father's day up here. And I was like, 
first of all, it's not really a big deal at our house because I love to celebrate a Tuesday. So it doesn't matter. Like my family will do something nice. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we got this. It doesn't matter. I've got this, but like my neighbor across the street, her kids um, didn't even know it was mother's day. And so then they didn't do anything because they didn't know. And kids, in my opinion, learn gratitude and stuff from school. And isn't that crazy? So interesting, but you start to see them taking out foundational things um, out of the school system because someone got a little bit offended. And I said to this lady who was a social worker, I said, well, if you're going to add a pride parade and like a day of reconciliation for the first nations people, like, and, and I said, you could add mother's day and father, you can keep mother's day and father's day. I said, we're Canada, we're Canadian, like add all of it, have all of it. And then everyone can be slightly offended every day of the year. Right. Yeah. Equal opportunity offensive. Yeah. No. And honestly, like, really, and this is the other thing I've seen a lot is like, people are very on edge and like ready to be angry and oh, up for a fight down my throat or whatever. Yeah. yeah. She There's was a like, lot of tension. She was like, you don't know how many kids they've been two weeks at a foster home and they don't want to make a card for their care. Cause I said, it could be caregiver. It could be like, someone brought you to school today. Right. Like somehow yeah. you got here, but she, it was just, and I, I wished I had not been on my Jody wit in the moment. I would have said going back, I'm so glad that we can totally disagree on this. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I get, I get where you're coming from, but I see that 98% of these kids get to school with a person. And I said to her, I said, or I said to the principal, cause I talked to her too. I said, there are more kids that have a parent to acknowledge than there are kids in the LGBTQ community. So I said, you can celebrate both. You mm -hmm. celebrate all of it. And it just, if you don't have a caregiver, then you don't do anything for it or whatever. Right. But it's just interesting how that makes a person want to move to a small town, move away from people because I'm always at risk of pissing someone off, hurting someone's feelings just by saying something I thought about mother's day, like so simple. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, that's going to make us disconnect more. And I think maybe have people moving to these smaller centers where there's less people. Yeah. Like, so there's a, there's this line of thought about like happiness that, and this is kind of backed up by happiness research about different countries that are less, or sorry, that are more homogenous, right. Where there's less diversity, where you're just around people who are like you. And this happens more like in Nordic countries that report higher levels of happiness. And like one of the thinking behind it is like, well, maybe it's the quality of life. Maybe it's the services they have, maybe whatever, but also it's because like they are more similar and they agree on more yeah. and they don't have, like, you know, the same, like different kind of life experiences and, and whatever, um, or races or whatever it is that's, that makes communities diverse. And I think there's a real like danger in that. Like, I think diversity is a great thing and being able to celebrate, you know, whatever, you celebrate is, is yeah. great. There's not enough parties in the world anyway, right? Like add, yeah. add supper, <laughs> which is why yeah. I love all those like stupid, like international day of peanut butter or whatever. Like, <laughs> why not? <laughs> like, I'm I here for that. I am here for that. Yeah. There for that. But even the ones that like, I don't like, you know, yeah. asparagus, like I'm, I'm still there for international day of asparagus because people love asparagus and I don't celebrate father's day because I don't talk to my dad, but yeah. I, I love that other people get to, right. And it makes me just think about like that day makes me think about all the good fathers there are in the world and yeah. how much I appreciate them and my friends who are good dads. And I think like your, your openness to, to like diversity, to different, like life experiences, ways of thinking, 
um, other people's, you know, values and priorities and stuff like that is, that is super important to like a highly functioning society. And you're right. Like people retreat and that if that feels like threatening or whatever, and that's not necessarily a good thing at all. No. And you know why they're happier in Nordic countries actually, because they go in saunas all the time and cold water therapy. I was going to say plunges too. Yeah. They do. They yeah. do cold water plunges and they like, they bike to work. I've been reading this book about the people of Finland and they practice Sisu. I think that's how you say it or Sisu. I'm not sure, but it's like this mentality of hard things make me stronger. So they will bike to work. And like, I lived in one of the most, like the gateway to the North is what they called it in Alberta. And it was very cold, like minus 27, which I don't even know what that is. Is that like zero degrees in America? If freezing is 32, is that right? Um, And so anyways, but I lived in a place like that. We did not bike to work. And that's what they do. It's the same temperature in Helsinki in Finland and they bike to work and they decide that they're, they must have terrible looking hair. That's what I've determined. Like if you're going to bike to work, bike to a meeting in the middle of the day, like your hair is going to look awful. Yeah. But you're so happy. You don't care. You're so happy. Cause their whole thing is like doing this hard thing is going to strengthen my Sisu or Sisu. And then that's the whole thing with like the hot water and then, or the cold water and then the sauna. So I also think that there's also that, but I didn't realize they were also less diverse and they eat a lot of fish. So they must just feel like, <laughs> like the omegas are just like, flowing. yeah, they're just flowing through them and they're so happy. Yeah. There's different things that like bring like people happiness. Right. And like the thing I've noticed for me on the road is that being outdoors in nature has like so, so improved my mental health. Like I am outdoors way more now than I was before, where I just kind of hop from like my office to my car to my apartment or whatever, maybe a shopping mall, but like out on the road, like I'm just around so much beauty all the time. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that, um, in Canada, they're like prescribing nature as like a like a treatment, like here from your doctor, like go, go camping or like go out on a walk or whatever. No, I'm pretty sure that Canadian doctors are just as bought by pharmaceutical companies, unfortunately, but your naturopath would tell you that, or your chiropractor would tell you that, or someone who cares about your actual wellness and wants you to actually be well. I listened to this book. I don't know if I recommend it or not, but she called it, she's it's called, I'm so effing tired. And it, it actually, have you heard of it? No, but me too. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, maybe you should listen to it, but anyway, I audibled it and the girl, she's never gonna listen to this podcast. She was, she was trying to be cool, which made her super dorky, even though I'm always trying to be cool, but I pretty much nail it. Right. So she's trying to be cool. She's a little dorky, but she talks all about getting like one of her prescriptions. She's actually an immunologist. She's super fascinating, but she says, get outside for 20 minutes. Get outside for 20 minutes in nature and this is everything you need. Like, you know what I mean? And so that's the sort of thing too, where I'm like, no, I do think that is a, a good prescription. Yeah. Like it makes sense to me, right? Like people respond. My godmother always said, um, that people respond to beauty and order, which I think is like, so true. Right. Like it's, which why, like if things are like messy, like it's harder to kind of like focus or whatever. And when things like you're in a beautiful spot, it's easier to relax. And so beauty order, like nature, just anything that kind of like calms you down, makes you happy, like do that, just do more of that. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, okay. What is the most surprising about living in a van? 
I would say, this <laughs> sounds weird and like I'm tooting my own horn. I feel like I'm really good at this. <laughs> oh, you can say that. And I, I say that because I've been thinking about this a lot and I want to make a video about it. Um, I think there's certain personality types that are good at this kind of lifestyle. And I think I check most of the boxes. So like, I'm really flexible. I don't like having a plan really like a vague plan, but not like, I don't care if things get messed up um, in terms of timelines and stuff. Um, I love small spaces. My van feels like a little cave that I get to like hang out in. Um, I love driving. I like all, like, I'm really good in a crisis, which you have a lot in a van. Yeah. So I'm surprised by how easy it's been for me. That's cool though. Yeah. Like the first month was hard. I would say, as I was getting used to things, I kind of stress ate my way through like New Mexico and Arizona. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, like I kind of get the hang of this. Like I get that. I like need to make sure I always have water and like, you know, all the stuff that is like you don't think about in an apartment but yeah it's been really good uh weather sucks like that's the thing you're more exposed to the elements so when I was in tornado country there were a lot of um like tornado warnings that I had to like shelter for and get out of the van with a cat so that was surprising um but that's more like that area I guess rather than like the van well and I have to say um we have tornadoes where I'm from in Alberta we are actually on the same tornado belt. I don't know what it's called. I forget. There's a name for it. Yeah. What's that yeah. called? Do you know that belt? No, I never, I don't want to go through it during tornado season ever again. That's well, all I know. We literally had one of the biggest tornadoes of all time where I'm from. That was a mile by a mile. Like the, it's, it was called Black Friday in Edmonton, Alberta. You should look it up. It was massive, killed 30 people. Um, and went through like our whole city and stuff. And I was a little four-year-old riding my bike with just my bathing suit on, obviously as four-year-olds always do. And yeah, it was hailing like golf ball size hail, or we had like, we had like baseball size hail that day. It was crazy. So we are, we do get to those tornadoes up here, but I'm watching you, um, air quotes, take shelter by riding an ATV through the woods. Oh yeah. That was in hot springs. (laughs) Oh, I was like, how is that what you're supposed to do? There was nowhere to shelter there. That's the other thing. Like in your, like in a van, like they were like, okay, like if one comes and the the sirens go off and whatever, like go to the bathroom, it's made out of like concrete bricks or whatever. Um, So that was like our sheltering place, but it was just, yeah, raining for days and like thunder lightning found out the cat loves thunder and lightning. Like it's the one thing she's not scared of. So she'll like sit in the dashboard and just like watch it all night. Whereas I'm like huddled up, like, please don't hit the, please don't hit the van. Um, but yeah, it was really like, it was, I'm glad I saw it. Like, again, like just like, you know, infrastructure and stuff. Like it's interesting to see what other parts of the country deal with that I've never, you know, I've only done like earthquakes before. So right. and you're like, where's an overpass? Like when we were kids, they were like, get under an underpass, get in a ditch. Like mm-hmm. these are the places you go. And so, yeah, I'm like, when you kind of think about that, when you just said it was like weeks long. Like the tornado warning was weeks long. Is that? Oh, it was like off and on for like probably like four weeks of where I was traveling. It just kept following me. It felt like, but it's just you know, there's a, there's a lot of that stuff that time of year, and I chose to follow the weather in terms of like temperatures, so the cat would be at least like nice and cool. So I didn't take into account natural disasters, unfortunately. But That's funny, yeah, that is super funny. Okay, okay, so have any of your foundational perspectives. So I guess, I mean, like lifetime biases, 
foundational mm-hmm. perspective sounds like the classy <laughs> version of lifetime biases. Yeah. Um, and judgments about certain parts of America changed. Have they changed? Have they changed? Um, yes. So I think whether you mean to or not, um, in America, you subscribe to, or you hear maybe so often that it sinks in this, um, this thing about flyover country, right? Like kind of never heard of this. Okay. Oh, really? No. Yeah. So especially if you are, I mean, probably more liberal, I would imagine, because like New York, LA, like coastal regions, um, in the U S kind of disregard. And again, that's kind of comes back to that hunger games, capital metaphor, right? Like people disregard whole swatches of the country as like, not, you know, worth visiting or whatever. And I'd never really thought about it. I'd never kind of actively, um, avoided places by any means, but like when I would, you know, go to see friends or like plan a vacation or want to explore somewhere new, it usually wasn't, um, you know, somewhere like Kansas or Arkansas or Northern Texas or Oklahoma. And that kind of whole area of the country that I got to see so far, because I did like a little loop kind of through like the South and like middle of the country. So I could then do a big loop around the edge of the country. You're almost doing it like a yin yang kind of. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, I hadn't thought of it like that, but I like, I fell in love with Arkansas. Like I love Arkansas and I never even thought about Arkansas, right? Like I didn't know anything about it when I got there. It is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. And so I think like, it's almost like you don't know what you don't know. Right. So it wasn't like I had these preconceptions about what Arkansas would be like. It was just like, I'd never thought about it. Right. At all. So I kind of disregarded it as like this whole like flyover place that I just, you know, maybe life would never take me there and to go there and be like, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. Like I would buy land here and like live here part of the year. Like it is stunning. And like the music and the Ozarks and the culture. Well, that's where the Ozarks are is in Arkansas. Yeah. So it's Missouri and Arkansas and they're stunning. Like I had, it's probably been, that is the state that's most surprised me. And that was one of, I probably had the most fun probably in that state. And then other places too, like Kansas, like I grew up going to Kansas because my grandparents are both from there, but I'd only been to one part of it. So seeing the rest of it was really cool. The people there were amazing. Um, super friendly. Like, was it super friendly? Super, super friendly. Like I, it's interesting to see like in different places, people will be more open to kind of um, coming up and chatting to you or like asking you what you're doing or all that kind of stuff, where you're from. And Kansas was super duper friendly. Um, And I found this bit of research actually that I posted somewhere, I probably on my Instagram and TikTok about different personality traits around the US. And so now I'm really aware, thanks to like that research that these people, these um, researchers in Europe have done about like which places are gonna be more open, which places are gonna be a little more like cautious and guarded of outsiders. Uh, which places are going to be more agreeable versus like a little more like, you know, I don't know, well, disagreeable, but like, you know, a little more, yeah, like, yeah. 
<laughs> like not as friendly potentially or whatever. So it's interesting to see it kind of laid out like that and be like, oh, okay, well now I know what to expect. Or now I know why this state that I was in didn't feel quite as like warm and cozy as this state that I was in. And it's super cool to like, you know, use the work that people have already done to have to, you know, to not have to reinvent the wheel and stuff. So that's been really cool. Um, but yeah, really like other biases. My, I think my thoughts on guns have changed quite a bit, not quite a bit, but a bit since I started. Um, cause I, I've just, I, I didn't grow up around guns. I don't know anything about them. I've shot them a few times. They're not part of like my culture yeah. uh, where I'm from in Southern California, obviously surrounded by a bunch yeah. of liberals. Um, but hearing and chatting to people and doing like the research interviews that I've been doing, especially like the one-on-one -on -one conversations have been really useful in changing my, um, some of my views on that. So I think like it's made me for sure, like more open-minded. Um, and then there's some things that, you know, have been like, I don't know, more probably solidified my views in other ways. Yeah. So. Oh, that's like, so there's so much going through my head right now and I have to like try and stay on track. But I think the thing that I have a question, but I don't know if it's possible to word it and it's probably going to end up offending someone, but I'm not afraid of that anymore. Okay. I'm trying to you're, not gonna offend, you're not going to offend me. Okay. So, I assume everyone is coming like with everything from good intentions. So. Okay. There you go. So something I find fascinating and I can't quite get my head around it, but I'm going to basically put, try to try really hard to take those two categories. You're like New York, California. Let's put like New York, California in this um, uh, liberal or democratic column. Would you call, do you call it liberal? Like up here we call, we our parties are like liberals and conservatives. So oh. yours are Republican and Democrats, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's but, but it, same as for you guys, it can mean a whole bunch of other things too. But for all intents and purposes, I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna put those, there's an elitist attitude and it's the same up here in Canada. Um, we're more spread out, like definitely where I live on the West Coast, super liberal, um, super, super liberal. But what I notice is in the lib, like it's like the liberals are the first to like trust big pharma, to do what the government says, to all band together. Everything is for the community. And yet when you have like those conservatives who like don't trust the government, want to have their own guns, want to protect people themselves, they're the most welcoming. And yet the liberals come across as like the coldest, the least likely to connect with you. And I realize that's like a ton of, um, how, what's the word? Uh, stereotypes. Mm -hmm. but they, it's just so interesting to me how much it doesn't work. Like you would think that the people who are low socioeconomic economic status in the middle of like the Midwest or something that they would trust the government more, or they would want more, you know, help from drugs. Cause they might not have as good of access to like organic produce and things like that, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think that's actually that. And it relates back to your last question for me too. So one of the things I've like really come around on and changed my mind about is, is trust in, yeah. you know, like the first time I heard, you know, the media can't be trusted. I was like, well, 
whatever, like, like whatever, CNN's not going to lie to me. And I've come to this place where I'm like, well, you know, basic facts might be being conveyed perhaps, but like everything has an opinion behind it. And therefore like, do I want to listen to news where there's an opinion baked in without necessarily telling me that that's the case. And so now, and I talk to people about this all the time, this like distrust of media and also this distrust of government. Like I have become, I think much more distrustful and critical of government on this trip. And I am much more understanding now because I, I think libertarianism was one of the things that really confused me when I started and being able to, and I haven't talked to probably enough libertarians yet, but I would love to chat to more, um, to get somewhere on like this issue of like, you know, what is the role of government? Like how big does it need to be? What is it supposed to do? But I think like the big piece that's clear for everyone I've talked to is that like, it's not performing the way it's supposed to for a variety of reasons. And the thing about like warmth and friendliness is really interesting. So the research I mentioned, um, it's really granular. So it's not like, and it's about different personality types too. So it's like openness versus kind of like reservedness or cautiousness, extroversion versus introversion, um, agreeableness versus like Oh, oh no, conscientiousness, something like that. So like it breaks down across all these different boundaries and like types of personalities. And you get these really, oh, neuroticism is another one. So like the East coast is super neurotic. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting to see like how that kind of manifests in these different cultures. So it's not across the board. Like, so I found Oklahoma, I hope no one from Oklahoma hears this and gets offended i found oklahoma in my travels not super friendly and it is also a very conservative place whereas kansas also a super conservative place i found it really friendly just my experience that's cool then because that kind of breaks that down because i know i shouldn't make that generalization but i just keep seeing it show up well i think the coldness thing is interesting too so like and what you mentioned i think when you first asked the very beginning of your question was about elitism And what, like how that kind of plays into it. And I have found, this is my main problem with liberals now. Again, this is just my perspective. This has nothing to do with my research. Um, Liberals are so judgmental and like so bad about putting people into groups. I think both sides, to be honest, are really, are really capable of like othering each other and it's not it's not great and so I've probably come out of this a lot more I still have like the same kind of values and stuff and I still you know believe in social safety nets and healthcare and all that kind of stuff but I have come out of this being a lot more probably or not come out of it but I'm working towards being a little bit more centrist at least in the sense that like I want everybody to like get along And like, I want everyone to, you know, like come, come a little bit closer together. So at least we can have some productive conversations. Um, But yeah, I mean, liberals are. Well, you're talking to a conservative. So for me, like living on the West coast is hard. Like I just feel, I feel other than all the time. And, and I'm learning, I think something I love is I love to like, I am, I am friendly to everybody. And I love to meet people on the street who we don't know what each other thinks. Yeah. 
you know, we're like, oh, your dog is so cute. Oh my gosh. Did you blah, blah, blah. Oh, like I like live for those. I, I live for deep interactions truthfully, but I love common kindness. It's like one of my favorite things. And, um, I, I definitely struggle living here, but I feel like there's like two terms. It's like, a and I'm probably liberal and conservative means something different in Canada as well than it does in the U S but it's, it's definitely got similarities, but I think that, yeah, I just, there's like woke and then there's awake Hmm. and they're very, they're very different. Yeah. And that's like the thing that I, I notice is there's like a wokeness, but then there's not like an, an awakening of what's really going on. Do you know what I mean? Like all around us and all these, um, you know how there's like a racket when they used to have, during the prohibition, it was like the candy store was the racket in front of like the actual brothel or whatever it was bar. And so much of this, I feel like it's just a racket. It's just distracting us from what's really happening in our countries hundred percent. So that is one thing I've, I've also chatted to people about a lot is that it feels like it feels as if there is a lot of forces at play that are very invested in keeping each keeping Americans in fighting. Yeah. So they don't see bigger issues that are going on at play. And I think that is part of the reason once people see that happening, they're like, oh, well, then I can't, you know, I can't trust these people who are leading me for a variety of reasons. I hear things about politicians being, you know, bought, corrupted, mm-hmm. um, you know, two-party system obviously encourages like this kind of polarization and division. So people hate that. There's all sorts of things going on, but I, I don't know. I mean, ideally living in any place, right. You should be able to feel at home. And I've talked to Republicans who live in blue areas and Democrats who live in, you know, red states or red towns or whatever. And like, sometimes like it's, it can be really hard for them. Right. Because like, depending on how polarized that place is, you can feel like an outsider. I talked to someone just today who told me exactly that and it can go either way. So being able to like, we've become so intolerant Mm. and it, it is like, it does feel like a distraction to me. Well, something I'll tell you that you probably don't know. And now I'm like, I want you to come write this book about Canada, but it would be way less fascinating and pretty boring. And a lot of not, book about Canada, not the most fun road trip for sure. But what I would say is, is in Canada, we have multiple parties, but then they form. So we have what we call a minority government where right now we have several different parties but not enough people in any of them to form a majority. Mm -hmm. So when you have that, you don't get as much done very fast, but it's a true democracy. Everyone generally can find some group they associate most of their beliefs with and, and vote for that group. Mm -hmm. But our prime minister is like super, Oh, he's like, he's just like intolerable if you're me. And, um, and I like love most people, but anyways, he formed a coalition So he made his own majority government. And now, now he's like passing censorship things. Like he doesn't want us to see what's happening in other countries. He wants to, yeah, he wants to, but like Canadians don't even know this is happening because they're so focused on like COVID and all the other causes that are, you know, like in front of us constantly. And it's just like, 
it's hard when you, I actually literally follow all of these like different members of parliament. So I see what's happening in our house of commons, which is our, in the capital of Canada and Ottawa. And when you start to see what, what they're arguing about and stuff, you're like, we need to pay attention. Like our freedom is in jeopardy in a big way. And with him and Biden together, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're in so much trouble. Like, and so that's where I want everyone to be awake. I like I, I'm fighting. I would want to fight for the freedom of the liberals because one day they might not have this freedom. We might not have freedom of speech. Like he literally wants to be able to put you in jail based on something you've thought about or searched up. Like it's crazy. Some of the bills that they're trying to pass, which is super off topic. But I just think when I I just want everybody to have like an awakening where we all kind of know the same thing, but like or, or just decide that we're not letting this stuff divide us. You feel this way about this topic. I feel this way about this topic, but instead of dividing, we are going to come together, appreciate our differences like we did in 1995. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I totally agree. And it is like not knowing kind of basic facts, right. And getting like media that's so skewed from, from either side is one of the things that I think is super detrimental to what's happening in America right now. Yeah. And I think you talk to people and, and democracy does seem very at risk here. Yeah. You know, so I know certain, like a lot of countries have multi-party systems and it seems to, you know, work a lot better than it does here. Um, I think it just represents people like it. We're also diverse, right? right? That I think that's what it helps. It doesn't necessarily help you get stuff done, but it protects people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It protects everybody. So you all get little bits of like, you might get this bill passed, but this one won't get passed. Like it's good. I think it's healthy. Yeah. I think so too. In a perfect world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But moving on, has this given you a deeper appreciation for your great nation? Um, it has given me an appreciation for Americans. So I think Americans are wonderful, kind, warm, funny, smart, resilient human beings. Um, I think the system in which they are existing is not allowing them to, you know, be happy, realize like their, you know, their whatever greatness, worth, whatever it is that makes kind of people feel down these days. So it, you know, the system can impact your mental health. It can, you know, keep you kind of financially insecure, Mm -hmm. not provide things that, that you really need that other countries, especially countries as wealthy as us, like are kind of used to and get in a lot of ways, like the system seems so, so, so broken. Mm -hmm. And you hear that from people on both sides and it, resonates with me too. Um, and because of that, I think people are just really deeply like unsatisfied and deeply disappointed. And some people, you know, want to just try like new methods and kind of keep this, the same setup that we have and just elect different people, or some people want to, you know, burn it down and start again. Some people want a whole different, you know, 
system that that might serve them better but i think the the takeaway for me is like the system is just not working like it is super super broken and the the thing that i really look at and study and and ask people about in my survey and all that kind of stuff and talk to them about is their mental health and people's mental health here is not good like it's for a for a rich country like a developed rich country our mental health is awful and a lot of it i'm finding has to do with structural stuff about the country. Well, and I think what we, what we search for fulfillment in, like, I think of you driving around in a little van articulating that in this time, you actually feel like you really like a small space. You feel cozy. You don't need to have fancy things to feel okay to like, and that's where the world like lies and gives you a false bill of goods as according to what your actual needs are. And that's where you see people in different third world countries who are far happier than we are in North America because they're not seeking fulfillment. Like they're still connecting with each other. And you know what I mean? Where we're more, we're looking for the wrong things to fulfill us. Yeah. Everything is extrinsic. Like you get your worth from stuff or whatever posts or money or whatever your job and inside yourself or your community and things that are more kind of intrinsic um and it it sucks like it sucks to watch people suffer so much because like we are you know a consumptive society like so 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 consumer driven and we're fed this idea that if we you know have a lot of money have a nice house you know, whatever, get married, have kids, drive a nice car, like we'll be happy. And that's not how it works at all. Right. Or wall yourself off, like in a big high rise apartment or whatever it is, like people just aren't happy, even if they're well off. And lots of people aren't happy because, you know, they don't have what they need to, right. to live that's- life that feels secure and, yeah. you know, okay. So that's there's two different. different- right? Like that's like, you need this. This is a basic human right that you would have clean water, a shelter over your head, warm, right? Like, well, that breaks my heart. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to take a brief moment here and have a nut snack, not a nut sack, but I'm on this eating plan. That's really awesome. But I have to have a nut snack in the afternoon. I have to eat my nut snack which I'm going to say as many times. So you think of it later. I will. I'm going to go have a nut snack myself after this. You've made me want one. One around bend. (laughs) It's a great source of micronutrients and fiber. At Yeah. At that time of day, when it's like the bewitching hour, when it's like four o'clock, you're in your pantry, you're going to grab the chips. So I eat nuts every day at this time. And it's kind of like, that song i got a pocket got a pocket full of sunshine but it's just cashews (laughs) (laughs) are they plain or do they have things on them they're salted okay and roasted which they probably should be plain but like it's a hard life you know i would get them like honey roasted with like you know brown sugar and stuff on them so you're doing better than i would so fun questions okay we're at the end these are the fun questions Favorite food to cook in the van? I hate cooking. Oh, that is another thing I've learned in the in the trip. Um, what do I make? Okay, it's not cooking. I make a lot of salads. Hmm. I I assemble and also cheese plates. I could live on cheese and oh. crackers. I've also discovered that happily. I have such a good cracker selection. What state has the best cheese? Have you been to Wisconsin? 
I've been there before because I have a lot of friends there, but I haven't been yet on this trip. Um, there's uh, Tillamook. <gasps> yes. In Oregon, which I need to hit up probably when my mom gets here in like a week or so. We'll go do that and ice cream and stuff. Their um, yogurt and ice cream is like so good. I'm the so Tillamook. excited. I haven't been, when I went there before, I only tried their cheese. So I'm really excited to do like the ice cream tasting flight too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is on the docket for a week or two from now. Um, I mean, I just, I eat a lot of cheese. Like I don't even care. I don't care what it is, but it's been good pretty much everywhere, but yeah. That's awesome. Because today when I was looking at your pictures, I was like, oh, she has a dishwasher. (laughs) It was your fridge. I was like, logic just fell out of my head. I'm like, dishwasher. I'm like, oh my gosh, she has a dishwasher. That's like so fancy. And then I'm like, oh, I think that's the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little guy. It's a, I mean, for me, it's big. Um, one thing I hate. Okay. So part of the reason I don't cook a lot is because then I have to do the dishes and I don't have a lot of my water tanks, not very big. So I try to conserve water as much as possible, especially when you're in like States like California and Arizona, where it's just harder to get water. Um, so yeah, I, I try to avoid anything more than like one pan or plate. Okay. So not to go dark for a second, but you know how we all have like weird, I want to say fetishes. That's not the right term. Weird. Like I changed my underwear. I changed it before this podcast. Like I'm like, I'm neurotic. I'll change it probably four times a day or I can't be without water. Like Mm -hmm. I have two water bottles going all the time. I drink like six liters a day. I'm crazy about water. So when you, when you say that, I immediately felt anxious when you were like, my water tank is small. Have you felt like any anxiety around not like in North America, we have like big pantries with lots of food in it and we can have whatever we want all the time. Do you have any like weird anxieties around not having a lot of space for your food or not having access to good water all the time? I always have plenty of space for food. I always have too much food. Um, Water wise, like in the beginning, that was really hard. And I should say like, I don't, I mean, typically I don't think I ever have, I don't drink the water in my tank. Like I use it for fit and I use it to wash dishes and like clean stuff, but I get like bottled water. I need to get like some kind of water filtration system because I hate buying lots of bottled water, but I also figure like my carbon footprint right now is so, so small in the van that, you know, it's a, it's a trade-off at the moment, but, um, yeah. Do I have anxieties about stuff? Not a lot. Like the most has been the weather, like just when it's hot, when it's cold, when it's windy, like that's been like the biggest anxiety. I well, would say. And- my mom's like you, like she has to have like multiple, like she carries around a cooler with her. It is, it was silly. Like my neighbor calls it my bucket. She's like, where's your bucket? Cause I have like a big 40 ounce bottle and then I use it to fill all my other bottles. But like when I go on a trip, like I went across like 15 hours across to my home where I grew up and I brought like containers in the car because like I will pee on the side of the road if I have to, but like, I can't find fresh water there. <laughs> right. Like, so, and, and with COVID they shut so many, like at the airport, like the, the little places closed and all these places where it used to be a, a restaurant. Now it's shut down and there's like no water for miles. So I'm like, a weird camel lady brings <laughs> my humps. You are like a human camel. And that's, I mean, that's good too, because like you're prepared, right? Like when I started out, I was like, oh yeah, I need drinking water. Like, how am I going to do that? So I go to a lot of gas stations and I pop in and I'm like, Hey, is it okay if I just like fill up my water cup? And they always say yes. So I always have like, and then like today I went to the gym to shower and I like filled this guy up, which is big. 
So whenever I can get something just like filtered and free, I do it. And then I also have like bottled water that I like big gallon jugs. So, so far, not, not bad. My fridge is huge. Like I have like tons of like juice and Cokes and beer and sparkling oh, water. Wow. I'm going to need a fridge tour. Can you take a video for me later and send me a yeah, little fridge tour? 100%. It's really packed right now, but I will. Because I'm like, I would love to see that. Because yeah, like I go to a hotel and I get anxious because I don't have <laughs> enough water because I don't want to like, like it's so, it's so weird. And we all have like little funny things. So those are my things. And I immediately felt anxious when you said that, but. I would love to change my underwear four times a day. I've got oh, it's like the best. Yeah. I like change it when I wake up in the morning. Then I change it after my workout. Then I change it like around supper time. And then I change it before bed. Oh yeah. Before bed. So I only get to do two a day right now. Like with my current, like how much room I have for yeah. clothes and stuff. That's been kind of hard. Like I, I actually wanted to go to like a thrift store or something today to just like to buy wait. underwear. No, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that destitute yet. Uh, <laughs> I just like, I'm so bored of what I have. Cause I have like essentially like a little capsule wardrobe in the van, you know, like I don't have a ton of stuff. So I, I do know. think, I do think like I traveled through Europe when I was 21 and it was the freest feeling ever to have like two pairs of pants, two shirts, a pair of pajamas, like eight pairs of underwear. I felt so much lighter than I feel in this mm-hmm. closet full of clothes. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Like getting rid of stuff does feel really, really, really good. And I have too much in there right now. So one of the things I need to do is like get rid of some stuff today. So yeah, it's a great feeling. Okay. What do you do when you get lonely? Um, so I will call my mom. That's like my first port of call. And then I schedule people along the way to see. So I've gotten to stop a bunch and see people I love, which has been really great. Um, I don't, I'm such an introvert that I am really, really good on my own and I have the cat too. So like it, like I have something, it's not a human, but like I have something to talk to Yeah, and like, you know, snuggle up with at night. Like something that loves you too, like that it does something. Totally. We think she loves me. Um, (laughs) no, she does. Um, but yeah, I don't get lonely that often. I more get kind of like frustrated like if I'm in a town where like it's been like hard to talk to people or like it seems really unfriendly or something I'm just like oh like I just want to and the the beauty is like I can I can just leave right like I can totally pick up and go somewhere else and try somewhere else but that's been more it like oh I don't like the you know the vibe here or whatever and I just want to you know talk to people who feel friendly and familiar or happy or whatever. So it's more of that, but then I just go find those people. Right. And then you mostly go, you, you book meetings with people, but you go to old folks homes and you go to, um, I had it written down somewhere, but now I don't have it written down here. What are the main places you go to interview people? So I go, so I do three things. So I go to places where I can hang flyers, which are like senior centers, community centers, libraries, schools, colleges, universities, uh, coffee shops, grocery stores, like anywhere they have a cork board. I'm like, excuse me, hi, can I hang a thing? And they always say yes, except for one. Um, and then I talk to people at like, who are experts in certain things. So like I've talked to human rights, like experts and criminal justice people and lawyers and, um, lots of therapists, mental health professionals, that kind of thing. So I do those types of interviews with people who like, if I'm interested in something particular, like an issue, um, I'll, I'll email them or, or chat to them. 
And then the other thing I do is chat to Americans, but that so far has been over Zoom because they'll see the flyer, they'll fill it out, they'll put their email in and be like, yeah, I'm totally down for an interview. Um, and then we'll schedule it. And I'm usually gone by then if they've like, you know, right. so the surveys online. So like those people have been from just like all over. I don't know if I have all 50 states represented yet on there, but I'm getting close. Oh, that's so, so really cool. I can't yes. wait to read this book and I'm not even an American. It's like so exciting. <laughs> I'm excited for what I'm going to learn. Right. Like it's changed yeah. a lot of like, I think you learn on something like this trip, like as much about yourself as you do about the thing you're like ostensibly trying to learn yeah. about. So it's been a good learning experience for me for sure. Okay. Where is Fig's litter box? Currently it's on the floor. In the back. <laughs> How do you do that? I was like, where does she have a litter box? Oh, well, she did have one in this cabinet right here. I'll show you. Um, so I built this cabinet with, so it's that one right there. Oh yeah. Um, and she has like, so I could like open it and clean it. And then she had a little like archway entryway around the side where she goes in and out. But when we started off, she like loved it in there and she kept sleeping in it. And I was like, this is gross, man. Like you can't do that. So we changed it to her bedroom. So now it's like full of like a bed and cushions and like blankets and stuff. And she sleeps there or when we drive, she sleeps under my seat or lays down under my seat. And so I need to redo the litter box into another cabinet, oh, but like, I don't have, so I don't have tools. probably have to like pay someone to do it, but it needs to go under the, under the bench seat next. That's really, really cute. And do you have a toilet in there? I do. I have a composting toilet. Okay. So you don't have to like take your toilet outside of your <laughs> van and like sit on the ground or something. No. So it's like a $1,100 toilet. And I, I basically use it to like pee. So I've never, Oh, like, defecated gone, in there. I've never had to use the composting <laughs> element of it. Cause I'm always in cities. I'm always like, you know, near a gym or showering or gas stations or whatever. Um, I could use it. I just need like one more part to make it properly work, which I've been too lazy to go get. So that's the bathroom situation. And then showers are at mostly gyms. If there's no gyms, like I'll get a community center day pass or something like that. In Arkansas, I was just like swimming in rivers all the time. I didn't even have to. Oh, I wondered how cold that was. Was that cold? It was cold, but it was so refreshing. It was like the cold water plunge thing you were talking about earlier. Like it's just. Mm. Well, cause I'm like, what month was that? Was that last month you were in Arkansas? No, that would have been like late March. Oh, so it was cold. It was chilly. Yeah, it was chilly. You were just going. Like, I was like, oh, she's in it to win it. Like, you're really going. I love rivers. Like, that's, I, rivers and waterfalls are my jam. So I've been seeking those out as much as I can. They're good for my soul. And they're, they're just, that's so good for your body, right? Like all your joints, everything. Yeah, totally. If I could swim every day, I totally would. Oh, so now where are you going to move after after this? I don't know yet. Cause I still have a bunch of States to go, but in my head prior to leaving, I was like really, really drawn to Montana for some reason. Um, and like Wyoming and Idaho and that kind of whole area, yeah. uh, partly cause I don't like to be hot in Southern California. I find really hot now and muggy a little bit. So I was thinking like somewhere a little, a little higher in the U S a little more North. So not I don't know. Off. Probably not just because the humidity and the bugs in the summer. I understand it's very uncomfortable, but I could happily spend like 
you know, a month there, spring, fall. I feel like Arkansas has alligators. Is that alligators? Like, I know, I know Florida does like crazy. Just all seems close enough to like Louisiana and Florida that I'm like, mm. yeah, I missed that. I can't wait to go there again. Um, uh, it's on the list, but yeah, I will. I'll look next time I'm there, and I'll let you know. They definitely. Well, I, I think landing in Montana, Idaho, you still have hot summers. It's just not muggy. It's dry, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. I just, I'm so excited. Like, I appreciate this conversation so much more than, you know, and I am just so thrilled that you're doing this. I just want a book like this in my own country. I want to, I want the facts displayed realistically, right? Like you're not bought. You're just a, a great edu- a well-educated person um, who's just presenting the facts. And I just think this is so cool. I'm so proud of you. And yeah. Thank- you. That's so nice of you to say. Um, I'm sure someone is working on a book about Canada, so we'll find it and we'll we'll get it or we'll do one ourselves if we have. To. Yeah, imagine <laughs> how fun that would be. Bring the van up. Be like, okay, new country. Be like Jonathan. I'm leaving you for a year. <laughs> you can take care of the kids. I'm going all across Canada. We actually just um, we know these guys. One of them, this group of friends, one of them passed away, and my husband went to Bible college with them, and and so they they were doing like a tribute trip to him, and went came over to the West Coast, and in like two weeks drove all the way to the East Coast, all the way across Canada, and did all these stops with like his bobblehead and like interviewed him and like put stickers up all across Canada of him and just like healed together, like made memories in the car and ate his favorite foods. Isn't that cool? That is one of the nicest things I've heard. That's so, so sweet, especially like a group of guys coming together to do it. That's really special. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what women would do. Right. But like (laughs) for them to just like bond, but to use that as a way to heal, to like get closure from that friend that you loved so much that's gone now. Right. Yeah. Like there aren't enough good ways that we like talk about to grieve. Right. And like, we don't really know how to do it. We don't teach that to people, you know, and it's so important because everyone's going to have to go through it at some point. Well, and even going, when you talk about like the breakdown of our countries, cause we're, we're in very similar places. Like we have differences, but it's, we're so similar. Um, but when you think about that, there's so much of those breakdowns, like years ago, like I get, I think three days off if my husband dies, like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like that's, but that's how it is. Like at every business I've been at, I think I got one off if my mom died three off, if my husband died and like a week off or three off, if my kid died, that is gross. It's gross, but it's, it's like the nature of all businesses like across Canada. But what we do is we forsake people for corporations. And that's, I think actually, actually probably one of our biggest problems is the size of the corporations and the money that they have and the way they influence everything. Because I think if we went back to that, like loving people and giving them what they need, like with the time and the stuff, right? Like, I think there's so much that's been lost through corporations and money. Mm -hmm. The power of corporations, organizations, really wealthy individuals in the U.S. is like, seems to be, according to everyone I talk to, like at the top of their mind of things that are wrong in America, right? Like it is so concentrated. It is so ridiculous how big that gap is and how powerful those companies are to the point that, you know, they control like 
people in politics. Like you shouldn't be able to buy a politician and, and yeah. it happens all the time for, you know, in, in every direction for every reason. Um, and it just, yeah, it sucks that like money and politics and values have all gotten so wonky that like, we can't even like run a country properly anymore. No. And we're all, we're all down here trying to have our values. And then they're being told that you shouldn't listen to that. And that's like what happened in the Soviet union, like worship the state worship, like do not, you know what I mean? The value for family and freedom and all that stuff is like gone, but that's a whole other topic. (laughs) (laughs) Next book. Next That's book. next book for, for next another book. day, but definitely enlightening for sure. And yeah, I just thank you. I thank you, friend. It's so good to talk to you and talk to you. It's been, it feels like it's been forever because van oh. time is different than regular time. Like everything is drawn out. So it feels like it's been so long. Well, and I think it's October. I think it's October of last year. Oh, well, yeah. that is a while. Yeah, that is a while. Okay. It is a while, but like, just so proud of you. So excited. So thankful to follow along with your journey. And I just, I love to see that we can all still change our thoughts on stuff. You give yeah. me hope for even myself, even that I will lose the biases I have and that my mind will be expanded to see things from someone else's perspective. So I just appreciate that from you. Thank you. I love that about both of us too. We're so well-rounded. We're so great. We're great. (laughs) Big fans. Have a great day. Hey guys, if you have, if you are an American or you have any American friends that would, you think that Katie could interview, I would love for you to send her an email or send me a message and I will hook you up and get you in touch with Katie. It's katherinejcook at gmail.com. So K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-J-C-O-O-K at gmail.com. She's also as Dr. Katie Cook on Instagram and States of the Nation on Instagram. That's following her journey across America. So she is looking for people to chat with. If you know of somebody um, or different, multiple people, you could talk to, please get in touch with me or Katie and we'll make sure you get connected. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today. I am so honored that you would spend your time here with me. I hope you were challenged and I hope this helps you change your life for the better. Have a great day. Please like subscribe and tell all your friends about this podcast.